You know, I'll tell you, when I got here, I was pretty tired, and I'm fired up a little bit now. Praise the Lord. Like, yesterday, I, I was, uh, uh, we, uh, we went down to uh, Cookville because it's tax-free, it was tax-free weekend in, in Tennessee, and, uh, you know, school shopping, whatnot. Um, and um, we get down there. We didn't take Bree because my daughter's out of, out of school, and she stayed home. And as soon as we get there, she called. She said, hey, Dad, it's, uh, it's hailing here, and the power's out. Awesome. Point being, I'm pretty tired because we didn't get power again to about 4 a.m. And then when we did get power, it was, you know, it, it, listen, God bless electricity. I'm just saying. <laughs> God bless air conditioning and fans and all that so you can sleep. Because um, I didn't do much of that last night. But, I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go today. Um, yes. <laughs> So this morning, um, I, I, I didn't send a sermon, a, a sermon title slide, but I've got a, I got a title for you this morning. Take notice. You take notice. We're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter five, this morning. But before we get there, I'm going to do what I normally do. I'm going to tell you a little bit about where we're at. Okay, we're going to be in the uh, again around verse 27, but. But I want you to see where we're, where, what's, what's led us to this point in, in, in the story of Jesus as, as Luke tells it. Because, man, if you don't get the story, because understand this, understand this. If I can't get anything else clear to you, I really want you guys to get this right here, that the story of Jesus is very systematic in the way it works. It really is. Every little thing builds upon another, and it all equals one big story. That, listen, there's no part of the Old Testament that, that takes away from the New Testament. There's no part of the New Testament that takes... The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. It's all Jesus' story, but it all intertwines. It all works together. Amen? Can we all agree with that? Okay, so you kind of need to know where we're at in this story. Luke chapter 5 the disciples, at the very beginning of it, they realize very quickly that this is no longer something they're going to get to just sit back and, I mean, they, it's not just about watching. They start to get called to, to follow Jesus. So, so Jesus begins to call the first disciples. He's, he's, um, he's teaching on the, on the seashore. He happens to run into Peter, James, and John, and he says, hey, there's a big crowd up here. Would you push your boat out a little bit? He gets in the boat. He begins to teach, and then, he has, then you have the, big, the miracle of the, uh, where he tells them to cast the net over. The, the, then they bring in this load that's so big it fills up two boats. And then Peter and all of it, he's, he's just taken back, and he realizes what's taking place. You know, and he goes, oh, wait, I'm, I'm starting to realize I'm in the presence of someone I probably don't need, even need to be in the presence of. And he bows down. He says, Lord, he says, he says, just depart from me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, it's OK, just get up. And from, from now on, you're going to be a fisher of men. And, and so from there, he goes on and you see this other miracle where where the leper comes up to Jesus and he falls before his face. And, 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 and he says, if you're willing, and Jesus says, I'm willing Aren't you glad he's willing this morning? 
And so Jesus reaches out and he touches the leper and he heals the leper and, and he tells him not to go tell anybody, but the leper, I mean, leper just, he can't do, can't just keep it to himself. And he runs and tells everybody. At this point, Jesus is starting to get real famous. The crowds are getting bigger and bigger. And then Jesus is teaching in this house and th- there's these guys, they want to get their friend to Jesus and, they, and they're doing all they can and they bring this paralytic to him. You know, the, the, they ra- raise him down through the roof and they bring him to him and Jesus looks right at him and he says, it's okay, sir. Your sins are forgiven. What? Jesus, I don't think you understand. I brought my, I brought my friend who can't walk. He, he can't move. But you, you, and, and it's okay. Your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees look at him and say, who are you? I mean, what, what are you doing? You, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, so what's easier for, for me to say my, your sins are forgiven or just to get up and walk? Because what's harder than that? Because listen, it's way easier to say your sins are forgiven because you can't really see that, can you? But let me put it all on the line and show you. I not only have the power to forgive sins, look at this guy. Hey, you, get your mat, get up and walk. And he gets up and walks. He puts it all on the line in front of everybody and everybody begins to realize very quickly exactly who this Jesus is. And they're all astonished, and they're all amazed, and there's these series of miracles that that happen, and there's this one other miracle that you got to see in chapter 5. Jesus, still in Galilee, continues in his boldness. If you can, you're able and you're willing, would you stand for the reading of the word this morning? Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After that, he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and he got up and he began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house, and there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, the sinners, to repentance. Pray with me. Father in heaven, God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your spirit that's been so prevalent, so aware, so, Lord, it's, it's just been manifesting here today. But God, I, Lord, we know you're not done. God, you're never done. Lord, I just pray, Lord, for you to just continue just to Fill this house with your spirit, Lord. Fill our ears, Lord. God, fill our hearts and, your, and our minds. But Lord, I ask that you'd fill my mouth, Lord. Lord, open my mouth when it needs to be opened. Shut it when it needs to be shut. God, give me your words. I can't do this without you. Jesus, speak to us with your transforming, life-giving word. We love you and we praise you. We ask all this in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. Now listen, you have got to understand why this was such a big miracle, okay? 
This was huge in this culture. Why? Because Levi was a tax collector. Now listen, the tax collectors were the lowest of low. I don't, you guys are smart people. You know all this. But let me just kind of give you a little quick recap of tax collectors and why they were hated so bad. The Jewish people were being occupied by the Romans. So they were, they were under rule of the Roman government. So they were having to pay Roman taxes all the time, having to follow Roman laws. And because they were having to do that, they were doing all this, you had a few Jewish people who were just really terrible people. Why? Because they said, like, you know what? I'll collect your taxes. I'll go to my own people, collect your taxes, and give to you. And by the way, what I'll probably do, I'm not going to tell you this, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and collect a little bit more than what you're asking, and whatever I've got left, I'm going to pocket myself so I get to live a pretty good lifestyle myself. I'll be rich, fat and happy, and, well, I don't care if I'm hated. That was Levi, by the way. There was a lot of... Jews that, that followed in those footsteps because they just wanted a better lifestyle. They didn't really care what other people thought of them. They didn't care if that they were filthy rich, but the problem was emphasis on filthy because most of their money was very dirty. They stole it from their own people. They stole food from, from, from people's kids. They stole it right out of their mouth by, by, by taking the money. By the way, if you didn't pay your taxes, it wasn't like the IRS now where they come and put a lien on your house. No, it was much worse. You might be drug out. You might be beat, thrown in jail. You may be killed. You had to pay your taxes. So they were sellouts. They were dishonest. You know, there's even a chance, you have to get this, that even because they were in the same area, there's a chance that, that Peter, James, and John, the disciples that were following Jesus that day, they'd actually pay taxes to this guy. And so they get up. After seeing Jesus tell this paralytic man, they, they get up. After they see him get up and leave, they're all astonished. They're all amazed. They get up, and Jesus walks out, and he sort of takes notice of Levi. And he says, hey, you, follow me. And Levi does the most astonishing thing. He just does it. See, Jesus had left the church service to go eat, right? I mean, this had to be like an incredible service. They were all astonished. They were all amazed. So Jesus left his church service to go get lunch. Because that's... Or no, no, I know what he did. He left, he left this, this amazing service to go watch the game. No, no, no. You've got to get this. Jesus left this incredible, amazing service still on mission. 
His mission didn't stop because the gathering did. Far too often we become content to come to church like it's an event. And we're particip- and, and listen, we are to be participants in all that we do and everything that we do. Christianity is a lifestyle, not a one-time thing we do, do on the weekends. It's not a one-time thing we do on Wednesday nights or, 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 we, or this camp or anything, anything like that. God bless camps. God bless the times that we get together together. But when we gather together, when we experience God, it should make us continue on the mission, not anything less than that. We read in verse 27, Jesus Notice a tax collector named Levi. Levi wasn't over here shouting at him. Levi wasn't trying to get his attention. Jesus noticed him sitting there. I mean, Jesus had in his mind, like when he left this service, he still had in his mind, hey, there's still lost people out there. It doesn't matter what I've heard or what I've... Hey, there's still lost people, and so I've got an opportunity to to go continue And Jesus was just doing what we should be doing, but he was doing it leading by example. Who's our example? Jesus. Jesus just, and and he says these incredible words that he's still saying to all of us, follow me. It's so in verse 28, you see that Levi left everything. A tax collector repents and he begins to follow Jesus. The, and listen, you know, the beginning of, of all wisdom is, 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 um, <clears throat> is fear of the Lord. The beginning of all wisdom is fear of the Lord is what Proverbs says. And Matthew had had to have heard about Jesus at this point. Didn't say that per se. But we, we, we read right before this that he's starting to become very famous in this area. And so Levi comes face to face with Jesus, and Jesus says, follow me. And he leaves everything that he's got. I mean, Levi had it all. He had everything that he had wanted. He, he, he had, he, he'd, he'd stolen off people, but he had this life that he'd always wanted. He was obviously a, a pretty rich guy. Because as we read on, he's, he's about to throw a big party for Jesus. He probably had nice clothes. He probably had the nice house. He might have had the nicest camel. I don't know. But I have to think in my mind, in my mind's eye, when I look at this situation, I think everything he had, he probably went home and went to bed empty every night. Can I tell you something, church? I don't care what you gain in this world. If you don't have Jesus, you will find yourself empty. And when Jesus comes and you come face to face with Jesus and he says those two words to you, would you follow me? I dare you to do, I dare you to be as obedient as Levi here was. Levi, verse 29, he, he just he, he gets up and he walks away from everything. He, he knew he had he had all the material things again, but again, nothing in his life it, 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 it 
filled him up no matter when he, he walked away from it all. And so what's he do? He, he throws a party for Jesus and he invited everyone he knew. Can I, can, look, again, when you really encounter Jesus, here's a, here's a good thermostat to see how, how well you've really encountered Jesus. Do you really want other people to know him? Do you really want your friends to know him? Do you, what about the people you work with? Do you want the people that you work with to know him? What about the, the guys you're at school with and the, and the people you're at school with? Do you want them to know them? Your family members? There's not a person in here who probably doesn't have lost family members. Do you really want your family to know them? Because when Matthew encountered Jesus, he not only got up and walked away from everything, he had, a, he had like a big party to say, hey, look who I'm following. And he invited, he invited all of his friends. And his friends, listen, in that day were, were considered pretty despicable people. <laughs> Sometimes the best way to find lost people is to find the one lost person and let them encounter Jesus and they'll do the rest for you. Just being honest, you imagine the guy, listen, I, I can't remember the story, but the man that, that, that preached the gospel to Billy Graham he wasn't overly impactful to a whole lot of people. But Billy, <laughs> you know? Billy now, we all know. I mean, I don't, I don't care if you've never heard a sermon from Billy Graham. I can say his name and you probably at least know who he is. Why? Because he has reached thousands and thousands for the kingdom. So Jesus encounters, or well, I say Levi encounters Jesus, and he has this big party for him. And when we see in, in, in verse 30, the Pharisees and their scribes begin grumbling at his disciples. Real quick, you notice they didn't come to Jesus and start grumbling to him. Anybody else, see, anybody else notice that? Because I can tell you right now, most of the time, if you go to grumbling to God, it, it's not going to last very long. God, God, will, God will change your heart on, on things. But, but, but what we tend to do is, and we're all really bad about this, we'll start grumbling to each other. And next thing you know, you've got an amen, hallelujah crowd behind you about why, oh, yeah, you're so right, brother. I'd be upset, too. You've got every right to feel that way. No, you don't. You're not of this world anymore. Sorry, I've been guilty of it myself, just being honest. How often do we, do we question the bride, but we don't ever question the bridegroom? See, here's something else to... The religious mind will battle you but the relationship mind, someone that has a mind of relationship with God. They'll never go to battle with God. They don't want to be really they really don't want to be confronted with what God's going to say to them about what they're thinking. 
out where their heart's at. And they look at it and they say, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? You have to understand that to eat and drink with people back then was, it's not like we sit down and have a dinner now. Different culture. I could sit down and eat with somebody, and it's really not that big a deal, right? Now listen, I think it's a big deal, but it's, it's not like it was in that culture. When you sat down and you ate and drank with them, it's almost like you're sitting down and you're coming into agreement with them. But Jesus answered them. And I love this too, by the way, because the people came grumbling to the disciples, but it wasn't the disciples that had to answer. How, how, do y'all, how many of y'all know it's really not your battle anyway? People come grumbling to you, you just take it to God and God will answer for you. And, and Jesus answers them. And he said to them, it is not those who are well, who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And, and, I, and, and you've got to see this real quick. I'm about at the last point here. Jesus wasn't calling the Pharisees righteous in this moment. He wasn't calling the religious mind righteous. He wasn't calling the sinners and the tax collectors and all that righteous either. But he's saying to them, they need a physician. saying to them sometimes we've got to remember we need a physician church I want to tell you I've been a Christian since 2002 that's uh, 21 years 21 years on um August 18th, not quite 21 years. And um, there have been times in my life, and I bet there's been times in your life, you're like, man, I've been a Christian for a long time. I mean, I've read this book from cover to cover. I've been in Sunday school for a real long time. I've been doing all these things. You know how many times I've taken communion? You know how many times that I've... I've, uh, read the Ten Commandments. Do you know how many times I've sat and listened to a sermon? Or may I led this one God of Christ. Or, or, or maybe I, I get up and I sing praise and worship music or, or that's the only kind of music I ever listen to. I don't watch those terrible shows. But there are... Can I tell you something, church? Outside of all of that, there's way too many times that we call ourselves... So righteous, we forget we need a physician. 
Because we don't have righteousness outside of His. He makes us righteous. I love our doctrine of entire sanctification. Or as Jared Henry likes to call it, um, total salvation, complete salvation. But I'm fearful at times that our doctrine of entire sanctification, if we're not careful, will become the same thing as the Baptist's eternal security. Let me explain what I mean. I've been sanctified entirely holy. Amen? But it if I take that and make it a moment in my life and never move past it. You see, God doesn't ever let you sit still. If you've been sitting still with God, guess what? You, 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 there's something wrong in that. Something very, very wrong in that. You can't just sit still with God. God will continue. God, God, it, it, listen, it's called a Christian walk. Now, I don't care if, if you've been in it 25 years, if you've been in it for three years, and you're walking the whole time. You're going, it's, it's a consistent pace, and you're always going for a destination, and that destination is Jesus. And sometimes my walk might be, I might have been made, made it a little bit farther than you, or you might have made it a little bit farther than me. I'm not trying to keep up with you. I'm just trying to get to Jesus. But if you quit, if you stand still, and you're not trying, trying to get to Jesus, then something is wrong in your life. Because you've not arrived. I've not arrived, so I've got to keep walking. And we've got to keep walking. And Jesus says, listen, I didn't come to those who are, I didn't come for those who are righteous. I came, listen, I come for those who are sick. And I'll tell you, I'm not saying that we're necessarily sick. If we sit still, we'll become very stagnant. It won't take us long to become sick. This morning, this morning we're going to take communion. Taking communion is a holy sacrament. It's a, it's a, it's a means of grace. Taking communion an act of grace on your part, too, that you have to come and receive. I don't know where anybody's at in here. I don't Spiritually, I love you all. I do. I, I just, but I want you to take a minute. I want you to ask God, like, God, if I've been, am I still moving in my spiritual life? And if you're not, it's listen, this is not a, a, a thing of condemnation. This is a this is an act of grace. Let him let him move in your heart, let him move in your mind, and, and let him tell you where you're at. And and if you've not been moving, it's okay. If you have been moving, maybe you just need it, Lord, maybe you just need a word of encouragement just to keep on moving. Jesus said this. 
when he sat with the disciples in the upper room, he said, I want you to do this often in remembrance of me. And one of the ways, one of the ways we keep moving in our walk is we remember him. We remember his sacrifice. We remember what he did. He remembers that it doesn't matter how far we were gone. We remember that we, were, we could be just like Levi. We could be the lowest of lowest of the, the society reject. We could be the, the person that no one else in the world loves. And Jesus is still looking at you and saying, will you follow me? We could be like the Pharisees and think that we've got it all together. And Jesus is still looking at you and saying, hey, I just come to preach repentance and I want you to follow me.